Welcome to Living For Him podcast, where in every episode, you are invited to experience the joy of a life in Christ. I'm your host, CJ Cousins, and in today's episode, it is my prayer that the primary emphasis and goal of the following message is that you hear and respond to the good news about Jesus Christ and his kingdom. So whoever you are and wherever you are, thank you for joining us. I invite you to listen with an open heart, subscribe for future episodes, and stay tuned for some next steps after this message. Enjoy. That is one of my favorite songs. I love that song, Do It Again. How many of you believe that God will do it again in your life, right? If he's done something amazing in your past, he is more than capable, more than able, more than willing to do it again. And so this morning, I want to challenge your faith. Go with me. Joshua chapter 1, 1 to 9. Joshua chapter 1, 1 to 9. You may not see it very clearly on the screen, but it says, Facing a Giant Mission. This is our title today, Facing a Giant Mission. I want to begin our uh, journey in the Word by uh, beginning with prayer. I hope you have your Bible, electronic, or printed in the balcony. My young people, you could probably wave your sword in the air if you want. But I hope you came equipped this morning. We're going to be in the Word. Let's pray. Loving Father in heaven, we thank you so much for your goodness and your mercy towards us. And this morning, Father, we're asking that you please right now arrest our, arrest our attention. Help us to know that you're the same God in the past that still moves today. You're the same God that, help us, that helped us pay the light bill years ago when we didn't know where the money was going to come from. You're the same God that when we needed healing, you provided the healing when we needed it. You're the same God that when we needed encouragement, you sent someone to us to give us that word of encouragement. God, you're the same God. You've never changed. We can trust you. And so we ask now that you would strengthen our faith, challenge it, and encourage it so that we can focus our attention on your amazing love revealed in your son, Jesus Christ. Through your word, in Jesus' name, let everyone say, amen. I remember back in 2007 when I was being called into pastoral ministry, and I remember feeling completely intimidated by the call. I remember giving God all kinds of objections. I remember telling God, God, look, I, 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 I can't take my wife up to the Arctic tundra of Andrews University for three years, okay? I was raised in South Florida and my wife was raised in Jamaica. And so to go up there where it's predominantly overcast, the, the winter lasts for more than six months. When the snow falls and there's lake effect snow, the, the snow doesn't just fall like everywhere else. It kind of goes like this and comes back up in your face. Okay, so God, I can't drag my wife all the way up there Right? And expect her to just kind of be okay with that. She didn't marry a pastor. I said I was never going to be one. She said she would never marry one. Hello, God, what are we going to do here? But really and truly, that was the surface stuff. Because really what was going on deep down is that, if I were to be honest with you, I felt intimidated by the call. I said to myself, God, I'm just CJ. And I am not Henry Wright. I am not Jose Rojas. Right? I am not Mark Finley. I'm not C.D. Brooks. I'm not Barry Black. All right, these were the giants of the faith for me growing up that I looked up to and said, hey, God, I am not like them. I love you. I'm passionate about you. But God, I think you've got the wrong guy. Well, how many of you guys know it's very dangerous to run away from the call of God? Yeah, he caught up with me to the point where I had a big house, big backyard, just me and my wife, no job. Because he pulled me out of my previous career kicking and screaming. 
And he has a way to shut doors that you thought were supposed to fly open. And the only doors that were flying open were the ones leading to pastoral ministry. And so after a while, you know, you kind of just say to yourself, God, all right, what do you want me to do? And he goes, what was the last thing I told you I wanted you to do? Don't look for a new revelation. Because it may just be that I'm just here just going, you know, any time now, CJ. And so you can understand when you sense that there is something that God is calling you to. There is something that fills you with passion. It's a mixture of passion and excitement and nervousness. Because you may be passionate about that thing, but at the same time, it may, fear, it, it may fill you with dread. Because you say, little old me? Who am I, God, that you're calling me to do that? And if you've ever experienced that, then you can definitely relate to the experience of Joshua as we enter into Joshua chapter 1. Because as we get into this part of the story, we just ended Deuteronomy. The, the Torah has closed, right? Torah, first five books of the Old Testament, right? The law of Moses. And it concludes with the death of Moses. And so all Israel, including Joshua, they are mourning the death of their greatest leader to date. Moses is a big deal in the Bible. And if you were living at the time of Joshua, he was an even bigger deal if you were Joshua. Because you may have an image of Joshua in your mind. You may see Joshua and you may say to yourself, wait a minute, Joshua was a warrior. Joshua was the guy that brought them in to the promised land. But wait a minute, got to remember, Moses was a big deal as well. When was the last time you spent time looking at the form of God and it was so glorious that you walked out of there with the Shekinah glory just shining on your face everywhere you went? That was Moses. When was the last time you had a broomstick and parted the traffic that was blocking you from getting to work? Moses was a big deal. Moses was a big deal. But here's the thing. As you enter Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 to 2, you, you recognize that God is telling Joshua, look, I'm going to have to interrupt this morning right now because Moses is dead. Moses is dead. I need you now to rise up and fulfill the mission that I've called you to fulfill. And it's a really awesome thing to look back at the past and say, God, you moved mightily back then, but it could be that God is saying to you, look, Moses, that generation was awesome. I did some mighty things through Moses. Oh, but what I want to do through you is even greater. You see, it's a good thing to look at the past and learn from it and gain encouragement and strength from it, particularly when it comes to mission. But the methods may be dead. You may be looking at the past and you may gain strength even from people that have gone before, but they may literally be dead. You may be even doing what many of us do, reaching nostalgically back into the past because of a past experience that was glorious, but the worship presently is dead. And so this is a temptation for all of us, pastor included, to go back here and say, this is where it's at. When God goes, that's where I was. But I'm doing something right now. 
And I just want you to just join me. I just want you to just come with me on this thing because it's about to be amazing. We need to look back at the past and we need to learn from it. But at the same time, God is saying there is something right now that is stirring that God is trying to do. And if you don't follow him right now, you might just miss it. And so God says, he says, Joshua, I need this Joshua generation. I need you now to move where I am moving. You see, one of the things about God in the Old Testament, especially with the wilderness tabernacle, is that God had a tabernacle when he gave Moses the instruction. He did not initiate the idea of a monument or a building or a temple. Because the, 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 the idea was that back then, all deities that the pagan nations worshipped were the God of location. You had to go to where the God was on that mountain on that valley where that statue is, right? But God was the God of the people. He wanted to be where the people were. That's why he said, let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them because he's the God that moves with the people. And so God may have been in Egypt when he needed deliverance, but now he's in Canaan. God may have done something powerful in 1844, but now it's 2018. And where you may think the greatest days are behind us, God is saying, you don't understand. This thing, the way the story ends is more glorious than it started. And so sometimes we just need to go, God, where, where are you right now? See, many of us look at Joshua. Again, we look at Joshua and we say, oh, Joshua was a big deal. But Joshua is standing there and he's saying, no, Moses was a big deal and he's dead. And yes, I, you know, even though I was his assistant and praise God that Moses had the sense enough to disciple Joshua and has raised him up now as a leader to now that when he's dead, Joshua can take over. He's been prepared. He's been trained. Moses wasn't intimidated. He said, no, I need somebody that's going to come on and keep this thing going long after I'm gone. But, you know, we get a little insight from Auntie Ellen in Patriarchs and Prophets. She says this, it was with great anxiety, great what? Anxiety and self-distrust that Joshua had looked forward to the work before him. It was with great anxiety and self-distrust that Joshua looked ahead. And you can just imagine right now in the preacher's imagination, just follow me for a second, you can just imagine him coming out of his tent in the camp of Israel. And again, you see him as this strapping, sturdy, just valiant man of God. And you see him walk out. And as you see him, he sees the people and they just, they just, they just part ways as he walks, you know? I mean, they see him and they just, they just respect, you know, with awe and smiling faces. Then they see him and he's walking by and he says, good morning. Happy Sabbath. Shabbat Shalom. Pleasant day to you. Yep. We're going to get into Canaan. Absolutely. But if you could hear the conversation in Joshua's mind, according to this quote, the conversation would have went something like this. I have no idea how in the world did I ever decide to do this. I mean, if Moses couldn't get them through, what makes them think that I can get them through? I mean, I don't know where we're going. I mean, there's giants in there. I mean, I know I was really brave 40 years ago, but I'm a little bit older now. And ah, oh. 
He's freaking out. And so God says, I need to encourage Joshua. And not only do I need to encourage Joshua, I need to encourage a Joshua generation right now that God is trying to poise you. He's trying to prick you at this point. And he's saying, look, our world right now is at a turning point, And I need you to be on the cutting edge of what I'm about to do in this world. And if you have an orientation that continues to look to the past as what I'm doing back then, you're going to miss the thing that I'm doing right now. And so God says, all right, Joshua, let me share some things. I'm going to share with you three things today that God says to him that I believe will help us because sometimes when God calls you, when we can look at ourselves corporately, what about you individually? What has God called you to do? And it's so exciting, it also scares you. You don't have to be a pastor like I was called to be. You don't have to be an elder or some very visible leadership role. You could be doing something in your profession, in your school, in your neighborhood, in your home. And God's saying, I'm ready to do something new, something powerful, something amazing. Don't get distracted by the media and all the stuff that's going on that surrounds us almost like white noise. God's saying, I'm speaking right now. Your best days, literally, though there's going to be challenges, your best days, because the best thing in your life is him, your best days are actually ahead of you. Do you believe that? Because if you're with him, you have the best. And he's always getting ready to do something new. It can be intimidating to go and look at a big mission. How are we going to reach the entire city of Vienna? What makes us think that we can build a high school right now in this community? And God's saying, all right, is that all you're thinking about? Because I'm seeing something even, I'm going waving the high school. Yeah, I'm going like beyond. What if our vision is too small? What does that tell you about the size of the God that we have in our minds? How big is our God? When we sing, great is your faithfulness, do we believe that? Because it was slaves that were about to conquer seven primary nations in Canaan. These were Egyptian slaves. And what we're about to discover is it wasn't because these Egyptian slaves had now somehow learned karate. It was their giant God. How big is God in your mind, in your thinking? I invite you now, come with me. Verse 3. Joshua 1, verse 3. The Bible says this. Every place that the soul of the... Oh, every place. Does that say every in your Bible? Because in my Bible it says every. English, right? English, yeah. Every, every, every place that the sole of your foot, Joshua, will tread upon, I have given you. I have given you. Also, I said to Moses, uh, as I said to Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, to all the land of the Hittites, and to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. Did you catch that? 
did you notice that God said, I have already given it to you? Did you notice that? God did not speak in the, in the, in the future tense. Was God able to give it to them? Oh, come on, talk to me, family. Was God able to, could, he, could God have said, I'm going to give you Canaan? Could he have said that? And could everybody at Vienna have gone, amen, right? Yes, he could have said that. But that's not what he said. Maybe your Bible reads like mine. He said, I have already given it to you. <laughs> oh, if we, if we really understood what God was saying there. He said, it's already yours. See, see, see the, the billion dollars is already in the bank. I'm not preaching prosperity gospel. Follow what I'm saying. He says, it's already yours. I need you to go now and claim it. It belongs to you for the kingdom of God. You see, God is saying this. You can be strong and courageous when facing a giant mission because God has already given you the territory. God has already given you the territory. When I, um, again, when I was... Still wrestling with the call to pastoral ministry. I uh, wrestled with it for three years. I was in Atlanta. And at the end of that three years, I had reached a place where I was now, <laughs> again, we still had that big house and we were, you know, the economy had you know, pretty much gone down and uh, our, our, our home was threatening to foreclose. And I was a substitute teacher at the time and you can't pay for a big house with a substitute teacher income. And every door, again, that I, as I mentioned earlier, every door that I tried to get back into when it came to my profession, they would say things like, oh, you have too much experience. Oh, you have, uh, 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 you're, you're overqualified. And I would say, hey, can I, can I determine that, you know, when I get it? You're going to be bored after six months. But everything in terms of ministry, in terms of pastoral ministry, because all of us are ministers, amen? Everything in terms of pastoral ministry, the doors just kept flying open. And so I got to a place now where I'm working with a local church right before a Mark Finley evangelistic series, 2010, right before GC. And I'm a part I know I'm a full time paid Bible worker in preparation for this evangelistic meeting. And it was a temporary role because it was just it was just leading up to that series. And then that was going to be it. And this is the floor. This is my first time doing this in a full time fashion. I had done it kind of volunteer at my local church. And I'll never forget the first day on the job. Now, by the way, the pastor of that church, I'll never forget him. The pastor of that church prepared me for this, trained me for it. He said, I'm, I'm releasing you. Go ahead and do it. And by the way, two years earlier, I was telling him about how, because he came to our church to speak, and I was telling him how I was wrestling with the call to be a pastor. That was two years before. So the first day on the job as a Bible worker, that's basically you go and you try to uncover, you try to develop, you try to find Bible study interests in the local community usually in preparation for some kind of preaching series, if you're unfamiliar with that in our, in our community of faith, okay? And so that's what he was doing with me. And so I'm there now, and I go, okay, well, he sent me out. All right, Lord, this is my first day on the job, and, um, well, at least this is temporary. If I mess up, it's going to be over sometime soon, so let's see what happens, right? So right next door to the church is this low-income housing uh, apartment complex, and so I go in, and as I walk in, I say to myself, you know, I don't know if anybody in here is really going to be interested in Jesus. 
As I walked in, saw how the people were interacting with one another, I was doing all kind of judging. When I heard the music playing, and I, I said, oh, yeah, 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 nobody in here, they're going to laugh at me when I come to their door. Because you go to their door with a survey, right? You kind of did like, who's, you know, hey, uh, I'm in town, and I just want to know, we got this coming up, but look, there's a couple questions, can you fill this out? And, hey, God bless you, is there anything we can do for you? That kind of thing. Let you guys know that on that day, I received nine interests for Bible study. When I said, I'm not going to get one. You know, I thought I was going to do, Matthew, I thought I was going to do one of those, you know, well, let me just wipe the dust off my feet, keep it moving. The kingdom of God has come near to you. God bless you, right? No, nine. So I go back, not thinking anything of it. I'm going, well, I mean, I only got nine. So I go into the pastor's office at the end of the day, and I walk in. You should see my face. I walked in like this. I kind of walked in, well... Um, I went next door. I uh, did the best I could. I um, never done this before, you know, on a full-time basis. I'm, I'm, I, I had a higher standard of what, what, what I should have been able to do that day. So I come back and I go, hey, you know, uh, well, you know, um, God is good. And uh, I was able to get nine people interested today. They want to um, start doing Bible study. We can even do correspondence with some of them. So uh, if that's okay with you, we can go ahead and maybe start following up on these. I'll go out again tomorrow. I'll see if I can get some more. He said, whoa, 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 whoa. CJ, you said you got nine? I said, yeah. On your first day? I said, yeah, I know. I, I said, you know, I did the best that I could. He said, and you're, and, and, and you're wrestling with your call to pastoral ministry? And I said, well, you know, I'm still not clear on what the Lord is doing. I haven't really felt, I don't feel like I've gotten like a confirmation, you know, and he's, uh, let's just say that he rebuked me in the name of Jesus, right, from running for the call. And, and, and by the end of that experience, he had already sent my letter of recommendation to Andrews University, and eventually I went on to, be, to the seminary to become a pastor. Here's what I want to tell you guys. Those nine interests on that first day had nothing to do with me. Nothing to do with me. It, didn't, it wasn't my skill. It wasn't my know-how. It wasn't my ability. It was none of that. God was already in that territory. He was already working on hearts, and he just asked me to join him. That was all God. That was God already in going before me, touching people's hearts, preparing them for that moment when I would come. There wasn't any uh, Mark Finley book that I read that so equipped me in such a way that I used this method and, te and, and technology and, and this kind of... I, I didn't pray and fast, although we should do that. I did not pray and fast for weeks and say, God, when I get here, I need you to do... God was already doing something, and he just needed somebody that was willing to go into the territory that he already gave us. This is evangelism. You know, really, evangelism is not your job. It's, it's more of just your life. It's really God's doing something, and he just says, hey, there's an Ethiopian eunuch on the way to Gaza. I'm just sending. He's reading the scriptures. I just need you to go. You see, we sometimes think it's us that's doing this thing when it's Jesus the entire time. I love it. Jesus, uh, uh, God says, I have already given you the territory. You're hearing that they entered this thing from a place of victory. Though occupied by enemy forces, they were entering it already with the assurance of victory. What if we approached the city of Vienna and said, hey, God has already given us the city. So we're here to serve, but God's already given us the city. What if you approached a career opportunity that way? 
God has already given me the territory. And so whoever I encounter that's interested in Jesus, that's just Jesus. He was already working on that person. So the reason they're, they're, they're comfortable talking with me at the water cooler, the reason they keep coming to my cooler, the reason they come to my desk at class is because God's already doing something. That's the Holy Spirit saying, hey, I'm giving you, there you go, lay it up. What if we approached life that way? God has already given to us. Did you notice, though, in verse 4, that he was specific with the territory? Did you notice he said, I, I, I've given you this, the, the, the land of the Hittites, right, all the way to the Great Sea. Did you notice that he was specific with the territory that he says is yours? Here's why that's important. Because when Jesus is getting ready to ascend, and he's getting ready to go back to heaven, and he gives the great co-mission, operative word is co-mission, Jesus says, begin where? Jesus begin in Jerusalem, right? He was specific. And then he says, go to Judea. And then he says, go to Samaria. And then he says, the end of the earth. How many of you understand that you have a Jerusalem? So let's talk about us real quick, corporately, for a second. Our Jerusalem in the city of Vienna is our surrounding neighborhood and community right here around this church. And I've done some, some research on this community, and I've discovered some things. The fastest growing uh, uh, age group are your millennials and your Generation Z. That's your high school students, that's your teenagers, that's your youth. Okay, it's a, it's a community, obviously we know, we see the park nearby, that, that it, it's a community of families. My age group, which used to be called Generation X, I don't know if we have any Gen Xers in the house today, right? And so they're now calling us survivors. I don't know why they call us survivors, I don't know what I survived, maybe it was that economic downturn, I don't know. Okay, and so, and so but, 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 but our age group, Gen Xers, are not the fastest growing. It's actually the millennials and, the genera and Generation Z, the generation coming up behind them. And so increasingly, this neighborhood is going to become increasingly diverse. It's going to become increasingly young. Are you hearing me? Increasingly diverse, increasingly young. When, they, when, I, when I looked at some additional research, I'm talking about five-mile radius around this, around this building. One of the things that they said they enjoy, they're not really looking for people to proselytize, but they are looking for recreational, social-type activity. They want to do things that involves community and belonging. One of the other things I discovered is that there are several Christian groups out there, but there's also non-Christians, and they're not closed if something coming from a congregation in their local community had to do with something that was social, recreational, or community involved. The median age in this community is 39. It's an affluent community as well. So as we're doing ministry, are we thinking in this, our Jerusalem, are we thinking of that target? Are we looking for how the Holy Spirit is already moving amongst the, those people in that age group and in those demographics? Are we thinking about the Joshua's, the millennials, the Generation Z right now that we have been commissioned to bring underneath us and actually prepare them now to reach this community when we're gone? 
The best days are actually ahead of us. He's already given us the territory. Here's something else. Our, 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 our Jerusalem is this area. It's also the city of Vienna. I pastor this congregation, but biblically, I'm also pastoring the community, the city. And if we enter the orientation that we have already been given this territory, then whatever obstacles, i.e. giants that we see, we say it's going to come down. Did you hear that? It, it, it's going to come down. It's a matter of time. Because God has already given us the city. But this also applies nicely. So our, so our ministries are focused on our catchment area. Our ministries are focused on our Jerusalem. But what about, you say, but what if I don't live in Vienna? So many people don't live in Vienna. So you say to yourself, well, I live in the surrounding cities of Vienna. Well, that's your Judea and your Samaria. That's where our grow groups come in. You see, see, increasingly, we're trying to replicate the Christian movement of the early New Testament church. You see, we in the West have likened, we talked about this last week, powerful experience, by the way, last week. Our young people did an amazing, amazing job. But what was powerful about last week was, is that we tend to be very building-centric. You see, the building serves a purpose, it does, for ministry, particularly in this community. However, you are the church. Your Judea and Samaria may be your workplace, your neighborhood, your home, your school. And who are the people you're interacting with there? Who are the people that Jesus is already working on there? And Jesus is saying to you today, this is your Judea. This is your Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. How do we reach the ends of the earth? See, how do we fulfill that? Well, we do have an online ministry. Do you see how Jesus, by the way, that's the outline of the book of Acts. First seven chapters is in Jerusalem. Everything else is going Judea, Samaria, ends of the earth. It's a model for how Jesus wants us to fulfill mission movement today. You personally, your Jerusalem is in your neighborhood, your home, your community, and that moves out to your job, your school. Are you hearing what I'm saying, family? Oh, it's awfully quiet in here. Come with me but to verse 5. Verse 5. The Bible says this. In verse 5, the Bible says this. Because Joshua may be saying, okay, you know, that's, that's really nice, Jesus. That's really nice, but, you know, there's still some, some obstacles we're going to face. We're going to have to engage some challenges, some giants. And here's what God says in verse 5. The Bible says this. No man shall be able to what? Stand. Thank you for talking back to me. Stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and good and of good courage for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. You see, as I'm reading this now, my, 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 my chest is sticking out just a little bit. I'm standing erect at this point because I'm already hearing God say, I've already given you, I've already given you the territory, but now I'm hearing God say, look, if you thought Moses was a big deal, watch what I do with you. Be strong and courageous. Why? Because God is with you. You see, that doesn't get much of a response right now because, look, if we took time to really think about who God is, planets are sustained by Yahweh. Galaxies right now are sustained. If we move just an inch closer to the sun, we'd all probably disintegrate. And he says, I am with you. 
Not just corporately, you personally in your pew. You. I am with, I am for you. I want you to think, and I want to go ahead and put that on the screen for you. I want you to think of David. As David stands before Goliath. I love this picture because if you see David, does David look very intimidating right there? Do you, the, 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 does he strike fear in your heart when you look at David? And so Goliath, all Goliath's doing is looking at David, but who's with David? Oh, there's this imposing angelic being standing above David. And, see, and David knows who's with him. And so it says, when you know who's on your side, your giants look smaller. <laughs> if you understood who was with you when you went into that challenge on the job, when you enter into your home, right? When those obstacles pop up, you go, hey, the God of the universe is with me. This giant's coming down. Amen. I want you to look at that next slide for me, please. See, if you were in the camp of Israel, and it was 40 years before this time with Joshua, and you were, you were now coming to the borders of Canaan, and they were intimidated by the so-called giants that they saw in the land, the Anakim, right? And they were really scared and terrified. Oh, I don't know what we're going to do. And the whole time, that big pillar of cloud is right there the entire time. And, and, and so, and so God, God, and you do know the, that Egypt was the world power of its day. Okay, and so I want you right now, just in your imagination, you may want to look at the, pit, the screen, and, and just imagine you're there with that conversation going in the children of Israel, but then just kind of get it, just kind of rise up above that, and, and kind of fly over here, and go over the Jordan, get over here into Canaan, and get into the enemy camp, and listen to their conversation. Because here's what their conversation sounds like, Mike. Their conversation sound, sounds like this, we are toast! Their God just shut down the military, the army, the world's power of the day. They shut them down in the Red Sea. Their God is a big deal. Look at their God. He's within the pillar of... We are toast. We're dead. Are you hearing me? You see, they weren't... Do you think they were intimidated by Israel? By ex-slaves? No, they were scared of the God that was with Israel. They said, we're dead. They weren't looking down on the ground at the camp. They were looking at what was in that pillar of fire. They looked armies that were much smaller, though they had giants, than the army of Egypt was in Canaan. And so they're saying, if he could shut down Egypt, we're toast. We are finished. Go and read the story of, uh, of, 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 Jer of Jericho in, in, in chapter 2 of Joshua. And listen to what Rahab says. And she, you'll get a sense of how terrified, I'm talking about big giants, were shaking in their knees. Do we know who is with us? Do we know who is with us? Oh, I love it. In Matthew chapter 16, if you want to go there because of time, I may just go ahead and just summarize it for you. But in Matthew 16, 18, Jesus describes his church and how his church is supposed to operate. Oh, please don't miss this. 
Oftentimes when we hear Jesus say that on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell, which is where that, what that verse is saying, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. When I was growing up, I used to think of that verse as saying that somehow the church is going to be, yes, this is the good news, standed on, uh, founded on the solid rock of Jesus Christ. Amen. And because they're on that, that firm foundation, which is Jesus Christ, they will not be moved, and so they're going to be in a defensive posture, and their gates will not be conquered by the enemy. The world and its entertainment and, its, and all of its vices, everything is going to be coming at them like a flood, and, and, and their gates will be able to stand sturdy. And that's not what the text is saying. It's actually saying the complete opposite. Jesus is saying that as the church, you are not in a defensive posture, you are in a offensive posture. The gates of hell will not prevail against you. Look, the gates of hell, the demonic forces are trembling, not because of you, because of Yahweh. And so they see you as coming and busting into the doors of their kingdom and snatching souls out for the kingdom of God. When you show up, family, the kingdom of God has arrived and Satan must fall. Because God is with you. Because God reigns in and through you. This is what Jesus is saying. He's saying, look, you are not in a defensive posture. When it comes to mission movement, you're in the offensive posture. You are aggressively moving forward because God has given you the territory and he is with you. Can someone say amen? You see, as he was with Moses, he promised Joshua, I will be with you. If you would just trust me, you will see greater things than you saw in the period of Moses. You see, Jesus in the Great Commission, he says it's the great co-mission. You're co-laboring with Christ. In other words, the context of the Great Commission is as you're going about life, making disciples in your spheres of influence, Jesus is with you in the process. As you're going forward and you're accomplishing mission, Jesus says, I'm going before you. I'm already accomplishing mission. I just need you to join me now and just kind of reap the benefits. Let's pick up the spoil together. He says, lo, I am with you even to the end of the age. But there's one more secret to success in facing a, five, uh, a, a, a giant mission, and that's in verse 7. The Bible says this, Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall, be, shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall what? Oh, I thought somebody was in their Bibles this morning. You shall what? Meditate on it day and night, and you may observe to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. The secret to our success in facing a giant mission family is that meditating on Scripture secures our success. Did you notice he did not say reading Scripture secures your success? Did you know he didn't say studying the Bible? He said meditating. What I'm discovering is that it is the greater emphasis when it, comes to, when it comes to how we should engage the Word of God and digest it in the Bible. It does encourage us to read, of course. It does encourage us to study, to show ourselves approved. But the Bible says we are to, over and over again, meditate. David in the Psalms constantly meditate on the Word of God. That means let it stew. Let it marinate. 
Fix your eyes on Jesus and how the love of God is revealed through him in the story as it unfolds from Genesis to Revelation. And let that be your experience. I remember, again, when I went to seminary in 2010, the first class that they gave us was on how to deepen our daily relationship with Jesus. First class. And that, and the purpose of that is, is that not just as you go through seminary, when you go out and start pastoral ministry, that is going to be the secret, not just of your success professionally, but your life. And so I decided from then on that I'm going to read through scripture and journal every single day. I mean, excuse me, day, yes, but every single year I read through the entire Bible. Every single year. But something took my relationship with Jesus to the next level. And that was when my wife came to me and said, we're pregnant. I was about a year and a half in the pastoral ministry in Maryland. And we found out we were pregnant. And I said, I need to hear specifically from Jesus. And so in addition to reading and journaling through scripture, I decided I'm going to take a 30-minute walk every day. I'm going to get some exercise, breathe in that fresh air. And then I said, I'm just going to meditate. I'm going to stew on what I just got through reading, what I just got through highlighting. We can go ahead and play. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and meditate, I'm going to stew, I'm going to reflect, I'm going to contemplate on what Jesus just said because it's not through what, it's through what he spoke that he still speaks. It's through what he spoke to Moses, through what he spoke to Joshua, it's through what he spoke to the churches of the New Testament that he's speaking to you, to your life right now, 2018. He knows your situation and he knows this verse. You need to read it today. He says to Joshua, I need you not to depart from this and that you should do according to all that is commanded in it. That means that when you meditate on the word of God, you see the love of God. It arouses faith in you. You see it re re revealed in Jesus and him crucified. You get daily the assurance of your salvation and it moves you in gratitude and in love to obedience, to action. He says you need to uh, not depart from it, but focus. You, you don't go to the left or to the right. That means it's going to take focus. That means you're going to need to make it a part of your daily routine to spend time with Jesus in the morning. Why do I say the morning? Because you don't know what's coming in that day. You can spend time with him at lunch or in the evening, but you don't know what's coming to you when you get on the road. You don't know what's coming to you in terms of attitudes. You don't know what's coming in terms of demonic attacks. Begin your day. Watch what Jesus did for followers of Jesus. He began his day communing with the Father. Oh, family, if we would meditate, if we would meditate on the word of God, and the Bible says there that you will be, you, it, it should not depart from your mouth. That means that he'll give you that which you need to speak to others in the day. One of the joys that I have is when God spoke something to me and I get to encourage somebody. I said, you know, I just read today and I share it with them and they say, man, I needed that. Come on, it's not that he just wants to speak to you. He wants to speak through you. Oh, family, he says if you do this, your success is guaranteed. How many of you would like a deal where your success is guaranteed? How many of you would like a job opportunity where your success is guaranteed? How many of you would like a car where its longevity is guaranteed? God is giving you the secret. He's letting you know I've already given it to you. I am with you. And if you meditate on my word, see, if you stew on my word, if you meditate on my word, you will know me. And I will lead you and guide you.
through the avenues of life, through mission. It will be organic. It's not something you're putting on like a coat. I'm going to naturally every day just reveal more and more of what I need you to do. He's accompanying it. He's accomplishing it for you, before you, and through you. The last thing I want to share with you before we pray is that when he sends them out, you got to understand that they had already been delivered. <laughs> they were already delivered from Egypt. Hear me, family. They were already saved. So they were not working for deliverance. They were operating from deliverance. Oh, I wish somebody heard that this morning. You see, we're not working for salvation. No, we're working from salvation. We have assurance of our salvation in Jesus Christ. You're not going forward into ministry and into life trying to somehow gain something that's already been accomplished at the cross. You rest in it. You work from it. I am a child of the living God. He is with me. I have meditated on his word. And therefore today, Satan, you must fall. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we thank you that we can, we can face a giant mission. We are facing a giant mission. But help us not to let that rest on our shoulders. That's resting on your shoulders. And all you're saying is every day, as I reveal and unfold more and more of how this is going to be accomplished, join me. Find where I'm working during the day and join me and you'll discover that you have accomplished, you have succeeded, you have fulfilled a giant mission. Thank you, Father, for this assurance. Thank you for your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to Living For Him podcast. I pray that you were blessed by this message and that you experienced the good news of the love of God revealed in Jesus Christ. I'd like to personally invite you to respond to this good news and take the next steps in following Jesus by clicking the prompt in the description. I've also created a resource to help you experience the joy of a close relationship with Jesus called the Life in Christ Daily Devotional Journal. If you'd like to experience Jesus daily, watch the good news of his story unfold throughout scripture, and do this as a weekly small group gathering, then get your copy today in print or ebook by clicking the link in the description. Living for Him exists to tell the story of Jesus for the equipping of healthy disciple makers who extend his reign of love. If you'd like to support the further development of this exciting ministry, then I encourage you to become a monthly supporter by also clicking the link in the description. Your support is greatly appreciated. You're also invited to like and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Subscribe to this podcast and subscribe to our e-newsletter by visiting our website at livingforhim.tv. Lastly, we kindly ask that you write us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any other podcast platform you're listening to us on and share this podcast with your friends. 
I look forward to meeting you here again in our next episode, where our desire is that you experience the joy of life in Christ. Once again, I'm CJ Cousins, and I'm living for him.